When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to After Extra Time, your footballing podcast. I'm your host again this week, it's Greeny. And joining me is just one of the other duos, and it's the Millwall one, Mr Alex Jackson. Hello. Let's just stop you there and say it's one of the trio, because there's usually one three of... of us. Well, yeah, but I was the host, so... <laughs> I was the host, so I mean, you're the duo, you and Jack. Oh, dear. <laughs> Gone anyway, Pete Tom have, already. We... We have got the Millwall one with us. So, how are you, mate? Uh, yeah, I don't know why I'm talking about football, because I don't really want to talk about football. <laughs> especially after, what is that? Especially after <laughs> fucking yesterday and the shit I had to watch. Well, well, we'll come on to that for you, just for you. Yeah, cheers. Thanks, man. Uh, as you're aware, mate, um, another special guest on again this week yep. in our part two, and we've got the extraordinary striker, Simon Cox, mate. Yeah, that's going to be really good. I'm going to have to yeah. ask him about the fact why he kept scoring so many fucking goals against Millwall. <laughs> he always <laughs> seemed to do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not so fussed about that, to be honest. But no, it'd be an interesting talk, mate. And to be fair, he's probably one of my idols growing up because you always know that name, Simon Cox, because he'll bag in loads of goals. Well, yeah. I mean, you look at his record. He scored, he scored 35 in 70-odd appearances for Swindon. He bagged a few at West Brom. He... he Scored one in every four goal. Go, he scored one goal in every four games for South End. You know, bagged a couple at international level as well. So yeah, he's, hopefully he's got a good bit of chat for him this for us this afternoon. Yeah, good stuff. So uh, let's move on to part one of this, mate. Um, let's kick it off with Friday night football uh, with Wolves at home to Crystal Palace. Obviously yeah, Wolves come out a two 0 win. Mm. Was that what you thought it would have been, mate, before the game? Yeah, I, I know Wolves had a bit of a hiccup to start the season, but I, I think they've worked out what their best eleven is now after the deadline, and they seem to be getting the results. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't really dis, disagree with that. I think they were the be, better team to be fair. Yeah, it's 
it's now starting to click in it for Wolves. Like you said, that's mm. a slow start. Now, now they're showing us the Wolves from previous seasons. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, they've lost Jota and stuff, but it seemed, it seemed to be working all right still. Mm. Yeah, I, they, all right, they lost Jota. They lost, I think, Johnny went, Matt Doherty went. Yeah. A couple of others went as well. But the, the nucleus of that side pretty much stayed the same from last year. And to be fair, it was probably one of the best sides in the Premier League, I think. Um, Nuno, you know, they, we sort of talked about it on the pod a couple of times that, you know, the big thing for Wolves was to keep Nuno around. And they have done. And the signings they've brought in have, have helped them. So, uh, yeah, I still maintain they're one of the better sides out of the sort of chasing pack of the top six. Um, so I'd like to think that they'd be there or thereabouts come the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, going on to Palace, Jack, I mean, they're, they're another hit and miss side. I mean, they've lost obviously 2 0 to beat Fulham 2 1 last week. Yeah. I mean, what do you still make of uh, with, off Palace with obviously Roy in charge? Obviously, we'll know more about Roy with Simon Cox later on. But yeah. Um, what do you make of him and, and his Palace I, side? I make Palace a mid table team. They're going to win some. They're going to lose some. Um, I don't think they're ever going to be in a situation where you've got to be worried about relegation, especially at the start of this season. Because you know, Burnley, Sheffield United, Brighton, um, Fulham are all looking pretty average at the minute. Um, Brighton may have had a bit of luck with a couple of results, but they're still only sort of four points off the bottom three. The bottom three themselves don't look great. So Palace, I think, are going to be fine this season. Um, they they seem to struggle when Zaha doesn't score. Mm. Um, we've always said that they seem to lack a out and out goal scorer. Yes, they brought in Batshuayi on loan again, but he's not overfilled me with confidence. Um, yeah, Milivojevic got sent off. Um, yeah, on Friday as well, which means he's just come back. And now he's got suspended, so that's going to cause more issues in the middle of the park. And their there's, their defence is ageing a little bit. You know, they've not they've not been able to replace Wan Bissaka. Um, Schlup um, and Van Arnholt aren't there yet at the minute. That's why they're using this Tyreek Mitchell. And they've they've got a couple of ageing centre backs at the back, so. I think they're fine for where they are. I don't see them put, pulling up any trees, though. No, I think I have to agree with you, mate. I mean, even next game they've got is uh, Leeds United, which is another toughie. Um, well, Leeds are on a good run of form at the minute, so I would be surprised if Palace got a result out of that game. Yeah, yeah, need the bigger players to step up. Um, moving on, mate, to the champions of the uh, English Prem, Liverpool. Mm. Just, I'll say, just snuck out a two-one victory. I mean, West Ham took the lead. What, what did you make of the game? Because I thought West Ham were unlucky not to get something out of it myself. I've, I've watched the, the, the latter stages of the game. Um, I was surprised that West Ham took the lead. I was not surprised that Liverpool won it. Uh, Liverpool, I think, the the second half when Jota came on, and I, I don't know what Klopp's done, but Jota, or if Jota's been like that when he was at Wolves, he's been a breath of fresh air for that side. I, I genuinely think he was that missing link for if Mane 
or Salah or Firmino got injured, he's come in and he's, I think he's scored on three consecutive appearances at Anfield. Mm. You know, he, he could have bagged a second, but for obvious reasons, you know, Mane have fouled both the keeper and the defender at the same time mm. before Jota sort of started at home. Um, so Liverpool are having that period where they're winning ugly, but they're winning. Yeah. And I think we've seen that a couple of times with previous Premier League teams that have won the title, that they're prepared to go out and win ugly. And as long as they've got the three points at the end of the day, they don't care. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think if Liverpool can carry on, with, with how United, Arsenal, Chelsea, Spurs, um, City have all started, they are the favourites at the moment for the title. I think Everton's result today... Yeah, was a surprising one, um, and I thought they might have got a result out of the Newcastle game to sort of push them up, um, uh, you know, to sort of push them up the level on points with with Liverpool. Um, again, it's still early in the season; we've only had seven games, you mm. know. So there's there's a lot of football still to be played. Is the old cliche, but yeah, Liverpool for me at the moment are looking as, as favourites to win the title again. Yeah, do you still, do you think Klopp would be happy with the start um, Liverpool have made? <clears throat> what, top of the table by, th- well, they're top of the table by three points. Yeah. Um, I, you, you, you've got to take that. All right, the Villa game is the only game there that genuinely has surprised everybody. Yeah. Because I don't, I, I think all of us said at the time that we didn't expect Villa to go out and put seven past Liverpool. We really didn't. Um, you know, the the questions are going to be asked of how can Liverpool cope without Van Dijk? You know, the question is, are they going to be able to get a centre-half um, during the January transfer window? Are they going to have to release some players to be able to do that? Um, you know, when it comes to play, because I think they've got Man City in the next couple of weeks, mm. so that's going to be a big game. Um, if they can beat Man City there, it's then looking likely that Chelsea, Tottenham are going to be two of the big six that are going to be close to competing with them. Um, if they don't win that, is that a chance for the gap to sort of close up again? Because I know there's sort of four or five teams on the same amount of points at the top. You know, there's I think there was three points separating second to, to 11th or 12th. Yeah. Um, so, you know, will that then be bunched up again with some results to come their way? So there's a lot of questions at the minute, but I, I, if I was Klopp, I'd be happy with that. You know, they've started off their European campaign relatively well for, for what I think. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't be disappointed with how you started. No, no, I wouldn't either, to be fair. I mean, moving on quickly, mate, so I want to go on to more championship level, but let's stay with the Prem for a minute. Now, another mm. sh- it was Man City just scraping a 1-0 victory over Sheffield United. Now, the start Sheffield about his... Not great at all, and I don't see where they're going to win from. Uh, I I watched the first half of that game, and Mm. City looked comfortable, to be fair. I don't think they were ever not going to win it. Um, Sheffield United are looking... I I thought they'd be okay this season, I really did. I know you said that they'd they'd struggle, and at the minute they are, and they're still waiting for a bit of... Come back from the say from the, the purchase of Brewster, whether or not he's not getting the support and the assistance he needs from the players around him, you don't know. Um, 
But yeah, I, I, again, it goes back to that winning ugly. If they if they win by a goal to nil against Sheffield United, as frustrating as that will be, because they would expect to win by a bigger margin, they've still gone out and got the win. Mm. Um, I think if they got a draw and Liverpool, uh, as they did, beat West Ham, you know the, the 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 tables looking completely different come this morning, and we're sort of already asking questions of how much pressure is Guardiola under. So yeah, especially I mean, with the news that. coming out of well, you know, the news that's coming out of Barcelona in a minute is that the um, president or the nominee nominee for presidency of Barcelona is wanting Guardiola back. You know, if Guardiola doesn't get results he needs, is he likely to want to go back to Barcelona and rebuild that again? Mm. Um, so, yeah, there's some there's some questions there for sure. Yeah, we've touched on uh, Guardiola quite a bit, haven't we, about his job. Mm. So it'll be interesting to see what does happen with that. Um, today's, today's games, mate, it's been very interesting. Um, mm. We'll pick up on the first one. Southampton, away at Villa, ended 4-3. Yeah. I mean, what a game, mate. Yeah, it's. I think it just shows what the Premier League has been like this season. And to be fair, since the restart, you know, it's. I I I did not expect that result. I, I probably thought Villa might win two one, one nil, something like that. I would never have expected Southampton to put four past Villa. I, I think Villa have looked. Well, saying that, I, I didn't expect them after the Leeds defeat. I think they would have been a lot tighter at the back, made sure that they weren't going to concede that many goals. From from what I heard, you know, it was a couple of silly fouls on the edge of the box, which puts them in more prowse territory. And as we've seen before, he can hit a decent free kick. And by all accounts, he's, he's done it twice today. So, you know, they, they may have shot themselves in the foot a little bit with that. But, you know, the comeback was, was impressive. You know, they, they gave themselves whatever chances they could. Um, Grealish, by the sounds of it, impressed in the last sort of 10 15 minutes of the game to help with that comeback. And, you know, Watkins got another goal. Mm. So that's a, another boost for him as well. So obviously that was a, a big chunk of their money that they spent on bringing him in. Um, so yeah, it's not the result I would have expected, but it's still a good result for, for neutral football fans anyway. Yeah, are you surprised to see Southampton sitting in third in the Prem at the moment? I am a little bit. Mm. I think that's more for the fact that United, City, Arsenal haven't looked great. You know, I was sort of expecting by this time the usual suspects to be in and around the the top six. Um, maybe with what Everton did in the summer, I probably would have expected them to be there as well, which they are. But I wouldn't have expected the likes of Southampton, Leeds, Villa... You know some of these teams to be in around there at this stage, but you know if they're getting the results and the other teams aren't, then then great, good luck to them. And you know it just adds that extra bit of um, flair, maybe. To the... No, no, not flair, but you know, how everything's normally, you know, everything's quite normal. This isn't mm. it. Mm. You know, mm. I can't think of the word, um, but it, it just adds that aspect to it of unpredictability. There we go. Um, yeah. yeah, to to the league. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised, mate. Where both, like you said, where teams are sitting. Um, if they're mm. there at Christmas, then maybe we can start believing. Yeah, definitely, because then you've had that half the season. You've got, a, you've definitely got 
sort of a better picture now of, of what the table's going to look like. You'd like to think that with some of the injuries and when Aguero goes back to fitness, that Man City might sort of pick up a few more results. I still think that result or that game against Liverpool is going to be quite key. United after today, mm. I, I'm not sure about. I'm genuinely not sure about. I think there's a lot of issues there that still uh, are outlying. Arsenal, today's result has helped them push them up the table. From all accounts, Spurs have beaten Brighton, so that helps them. It's one all now, mate. Oh, is it one all? Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, I thought we were going to yeah. finish. Um, uh, no, Lamptey scored. No, uh, so yeah, again, that's the sort of thing. That's the unpredictability of it. I think, you know, Spurs playing Brighton, I would have expected Spurs to win. You know, the sort of logical side of that is where you ever look at some of the games that you know they they drew three all against West Ham when they were three 0 up. So they have got that in them. Um, but yeah, I, I think getting closer to know uh, December time or the end of December, we've got a, a very good idea of how the table is going to finish. Yeah, mate. Before I just quickly move on to championship, just quickly let's talk about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. He got the great win in Europe against Leipzig. Mm. Yeah, I thought he would have carried that through into today's game, mate. And obviously, like you touched on, the lost one nil to Arsenal. Mm. How, how much longer do you feel uh, Solskjaer is going to be at the uh. club? Uh, it's a tough one because if he's getting results in Europe mm. do you keep him around you know because they're getting results in Europe and a lot of these teams are expecting results or you know win Champions League wins um, whether or not it's going to change the owner's mind that the results in the league are disappointing and that needs to change um, you don't know, but I, I think something's going to give. Um, I think if they start slipping up in Champions League games, then he's definitely out the door. But they may sort of keep him in mind, keep him in place because of the fact that they're doing well in the Champions League. Yeah, yeah. Let's move on to your favourite part of the uh, show, Jacko. Let's move to the mm. Championship. Yeah. Um, what I want to really touch on is top of the table, Reading, Friday night. Mm. Lose 3-2 Yeah, Coventry. that was a, a bit of a surprise. I watched that on Friday night. Um, Reading, it was the first time I've seen Reading in a while look pretty poor, even though the stats show they had more shots on goal than they had done in previous games and more shots on target. But they've come away with a defeat against a resolute Coventry side. I, I expected... With the way that the games have gone, I did honestly expect Reading to win that. Especially as well, you know, we've seen a lot of home championship sides this season. To be fair, certain Premier League sides as well not do so well at home. Um, mm. I was sort of expecting Reading to come away with a win. Um, but Coventry, fair play to them. They, they put in, a, in a, a really good performance. And there was, some, there was a couple of good goals. There was a questionable one for the goalkeeper. Mm. Um, for, for Coventry's third, you wonder if he tried to actually put his hands open instead of fist in, in, in a fist that he might have done better parrying it out instead of just sort of knocking it into the back of the goal. Um, but it's a great strike by the, the Coventry player, no doubt about that. Um, and it's going to be a massive boost to Mark Robbins and his side to sort of try yeah. and confirm that they can play at this level. Um, yeah. It, like I say, it's a massive boost for them. Mm. 
but they've got to carry it through now, mate. So that you know, yeah, and it's not easy in the championship, as you know. It's so. not. It's not. You you have to do. You have to get into a situation where you pick results up on a regular basis. You know, if you can mm. get, if you can string sort of three, four, five results, get maybe twelve points out of a possible fifteen, you're in a really good place. If you only get one out of those five. You, you know you're going to be in for a long season. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, let's touch on the, the bottom of the table clash. Mm. Wickham, Chef Wednesday. Wickham won their winners in stoppage time in the first half. Now, yeah. that's a massive win for Wickham. It's a massive win. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I think Wickham were always going to have an issue until they started scoring goals. Yeah. Because Gareth Ainsworth is very much in the style of how Neil Harris used to be, very sort of 4-4-2, big man, little man, counter-attacking football, being resolute at the back and sort of nicking a goal. Mm. And I think that's how he set his stall out for Wickham this season. And mm. I think that's what they did against Sheffield Wednesday. And, you know, it's a case of if you can get those results at key times, it's going to give you a massive boost. I, I still think, Quality-wise, Wickham haven't got the, the calibre of player as some of the other teams around them, but that's expected because they're they're, they're pro- almost certainly going to be budget-wise the smallest team in the league. Yeah, shadow. You know, as as I've said before on numerous occasions, that you know everyone expected them to sort of struggle for League One status last season, and they've now mm. sort of managed to get themselves into into the Championship. You know, there there is you know they they. Almost got a result against Rotherham, but conceded a late goal. Um, they, I think they did it against Norwich, where Norwich conceded yeah. two late goals as well. So if they can sort of get those out of the system early, and it sort of comes to, you know, the, the, the congested winter schedule coming up, they can get those results that they probably didn't get at the start of the season, then they might have a chance of staying up. But as I said before, mm. with, you know, you need to get, a set of these results in a row. So they're, they're going to be looking at the next sort of couple of games before the international break to get some points there for certain. Yeah, what about on Sheffield Wednesday? Do you think it's a... It's, um, obviously, that was a massive game to lose, mate. Do you reckon it's yeah. a bit of a, a big comeback from now to do it? Uh, it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks. As I say, you know, there's only a couple more games before the next international break. So if they can get themselves to a position where they're sort of either on level on zero points or they're in the plus points, I mm. think they're going to be okay. I, I think the longer they're still in the minus, it's going to cause issues further down the line. Um, I, I think, yes, definitely the result against Wickham is a big blow, especially for the fact that Wickham hadn't got a point or uh, they, you know, they, they hadn't got a win up to this point. So, yeah, I, I think it's a tough one for Wednesday to take. And I think if they're still sort of struggling to get over the line, you know, it could be a case where the sort of board are running out of options on the field, so they're going to sack Monk off and, and sort of bring someone else in. Mm. Uh, I, I don't think they should sack him. I think no, he's I, a good manager, to be fair. You know, it's a difficult position to be in, for sure. Mm. But the, the, longer they, the longer they stay in that minus points uh, position, the, the more pressure is going to be put on Monk to get results and more pressure on the board to do something because they're going to want to stay in the championship. Yeah, um, definitely. And, you know, 
we've seen it um, and we've heard it before on with some of the uh, the the guests that we've had that the football is results based business, and if they're not getting the results, then the managers are, are on for the shop. So, yeah, I I, I agree, mate. Um, moving on to the next fixture, I've got for you. I don't know Jack's not on here, but let's talk about Jack's team, Derby. Yeah, the Drew Drew to Bournemouth. Are you surprised about that result? Or I, no, I a bit. I, I'm not. I, I think You're Bournemouth. Not. No, Bournemouth are still un, un, unbeaten, um, mm. but they've drawn more than they've won. And mm. I, I think while that's that's fine, while you, you're not losing, um, I think they are. They're going to be games where they're going to have off days. You know, um, it, it's going to be expected. You can't play at that level. And that intensity for 46 games, you're always going to have one of those days off. You, you, yeah. you know, almost certainly you will have seen it at Leicester. That these players aren't machines; they are going to have those days where it doesn't work. And I, yeah. you know, maybe it was one of those days this weekend against Derby. But Derby are desperate to get out of the relegation zone, you know. Yeah. And with Rooney back in the side and and stuff like that, that may give them a boost. And you know, they may have got over the hiccup of, of the early part but Derby is scrapping and in this league it's you're going to get that a lot regardless of who's playing so yeah I'm not surprised but I think you know I think Derby would have preferred getting all three points rather than just one yeah I think Jack will agree with you mate to be honest um, let's move on to your team, Jacko. Tell me about this 3 0 loss against Huddersfield. Yeah, it was a frustrating game. Um, it, I'm not going to say it was down to one decision in the first five minutes, but it did have an impact on the game. You know, corner comes over, uh, no, free kick, sorry, free kick early on, and Jake Cooper's basically wrestled to the ground, and the referee's right behind it, and he's not given anything. Um, yeah. You know, for the first sort of 15 minutes, we were all over Huddersfield like a rash. Um, the the longer they went without conceding a goal, the more confident they got. Um, you know, there was a lot of 50-50 balls that went to them this weekend. On another day, they probably would have gone to Millwall. But again, uh, an outlying issue with Millwall is when we play five at the back, it's a very negative style very defensive. If you can't get the wing backs involved, yeah, your crea- the, the creative side of it has gone out the window, mm. and and we all lack that at the best of times. And you know, Tom Bradshaw is going up against defenders that are sort of four or five or six inches taller than he is, and he's got to try and beat him in the air, and it's difficult when you're on your own against three of them. Yeah, when it's when when teams are playing four at the back, you know you've got a chance if you're playing with sort of three attacking players, you've got a better chance of creating that space and the gaps in between them for balls to be fed through. But you know Huddersfield set up in a, in roughly the same sort of way we do at times, playing three centre backs and two wide midfielders, so it sort of cancels each other out a little bit. Mm. Um, you know. Bielkowski was can sort of query question Bielkowski was he at fault for the second goal you know instead of sort of palming it wide he's palmed it straight up thinking it's gone over the bar and it's dipped over the line 
Um, but we were poor on the day. We we didn't look very good. And I, I, look, I'll, you know, we lost to Swansea just before the international break. And since then, we picked up three wins, a draw and a loss. I'd take that. Yeah. I really, really would take that. I, we, we always seem to struggle about October, November time anyway. That's when Harris went last season as well. You know, he was get he wasn't getting results. We picked up seven points against teams that we we have in the past had a famous record of not getting results against. So, you know, I definitely take that. We've got two big games this week in Norwich and Cardiff. Um, well, I know we've got Norwich on Tuesday away, um, so that's going to be a big a big game for us as well. Mm. And if we can get something out of that and get in, get something out of the weekend's game, then I'm not concerned. But uh, look, we've uh, we've only lost two games. One against the next Premier League side in Huddersfield, who look a lot better than they did last season. Mm. And one against Swansea, who are a pretty good side anyway. So, you know, I, I'm not complaining at the minute. No, definitely, mate. I'm sure as a Millwall fan, sitting seventh in the Championship at this stage, mate, you should, like say so you'll be happy yeah. with that. Yeah, oh, yeah. We... we as I say, about this time, if you look at our results, we seem to start off quite brightly. Then October, November time, we sort of dip and we sort of go down the table and we look like we could fight for a relegation battle. But, you know, we've had a lot of disruption within the club's hierarchy. Rowett's dis- been self-isolated. Um, the majority of the backroom staff of the first team have had to self-isolate as well because of that test. So at the minute, we've got our club captain, our second, our most experienced player, and our under twenty threes manager running the show. And when you haven't got the the main sort of first team staff, that's always going to be an issue anyway. Mm. Um, and hopefully, sort of Raoul will be back shortly, and and we can get some form of normality back in that setup and, and try and get some results again. Yeah, I mean the next game I want to move on to, mate, is uh, Chris Hutton's side, Nottingham Forest, mate. One win in six games, another loss against Middlesbrough. Really, yeah. Forest fans got to be looking now, mate, to think what's going on. Uh, I, I think Forest are in a hole. Um, I, you know, it's going to take time. Uh, hopefully, if Hutton can get a couple of results before the international break, it gives him a bit of confidence going into the, the, the break itself. But then that gives him a bit more time to sort of get the players together and work on what he's trying to to create and the philosophy that he wants to implement on this side. Mm. You know, Forrest, you know, I still think Forrest have got a hangover from what happened at the last day of last season. Mm. Um, I, I think they were sort of sat there ready to go into player football and it didn't happen and they just look completely different now because of it. You know, they brought in a lot of players, a lot of talented players for this league the start of the season and you would expect them to be there or thereabouts and that's not happened and obviously because of that Lamucci has been released and they brought in Hewton. Um but it's going to get to a case if, if Hewton's still struggling in December I don't know where they go from there No I don't I think do you feel this is probably Hewton's biggest job of his career? Um, I'd say it's his toughest job. I wouldn't say it's his biggest. I think you know the fact that he's got Norwich into the Premier League, Brighton into the Premier League, I, I think he probably put those as bigger achievements on his list. I just think that this is probably going to be his toughest job because of the players that Forest have got 
where Forest finished last season and the fact that Forest are now, you know, one of the bottom sides in the championship. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting time for Forest, I feel. Mm. Um, obviously, Hewton do a good job, but in the next two games for Forest, you'd say are quite, quite comfortable because they're around them as well. So, Forest have got um, Coventry Wednesday night, followed yeah. by Wick- Wickham on Saturday. Yeah, see, so now that Wickham... See, so the problem is they're playing sides that have picked up results this weekend. Mm. You know, Coventry have, have got a result against Reading who are the top of the table, so they're going to be buoyed with confidence. Wickham, if they can get a result on, uh, on Tuesday or Wednesday this week, they've then got to play them. And it's... it Basically, the, the Forest have got a look at that and are going to have to say to themselves, we need to get six points out of this week. Yeah. Anything less than six points is a failure and, and, and a question mark on what that club's doing. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I was just about to say they need to get six points there. Mm. Um, another one I want to touch on on Championship um, mm. is Watford, mate, losing to Barnsley. Talk to me yeah. about Barnsley a bit. I mean, they seem a better outfit this year than what they were previously. Well, Barnsley have a knack of annoying teams. Not not for the way they play football, but you'd sort of go into that result and th- you go into that game thinking Watford should easy to comfortably win that game. Mm. And Barnsley have that, that typical underdog mentality of going, well, we're going to prove everyone wrong. Mill, Mill will do it as well. Mill, Mill, or Mill will have done it in the past as well, mm. where they are, have always done better as the underdog rather than the favourite. And so that plays into Barnsley's hands ridiculously well. You know, the back end of last season, they got a result against Brentford, which no one expected mm. in their wildest dreams to get. And it kept them up. And I think that's pushed them forward. Um, you know, the game against us, they looked, it was a pretty poor game, to be fair. Um, you know, Mowat scored an absolute worldie. And that's been their only sort of realistic chance. Yeah. Um, I think if, if they're relying on that every week, I think they're going to be in trouble. And, you know, if they do manage to pull it off, great, but then they've got to make sure they keep them out of the other end. So, mm. I, I think Barnsley will be happy out of the week that they've had, that they've taken four points out of the possible. Yeah, in regards to Watford, mate, they seem to hit a bit of a, uh, a bit of dip in form. Haven't won in the yeah. last three, three games. I mean, a bit worrying. They're due to Wickham 1-0, due to Bournemouth 1-0, and now lost to Barnsley 1-0. Yeah, I, I think you'd probably take seven points out of those. You know, mm. wins against Wickham and Barnsley and a draw against Bournemouth. And yeah. Watford would have been re- really happy with that. Uh, I think Watford, Watford are going to have some seriously tough tests this year. I, I think it's going to be a case of, you know, the, a lot of these players haven't played at the championship level. And I'm not saying the Premier League isn't tough, but the championship has that ferocity about it that, they're, they're, they're going to get a surprise every now and then, again, especially against teams at the, the bottom end of the table fighting for survival. Mm. I know I'm saying that after about eight games, but you know that is the case. They are fighting for survival. They don't want to be at the bottom. Um, I don't think Watford are going to have any issues. I think they're going to be in and around the playoffs. Um, don't ask me who's going to win it because <laughs> I'll probably say Reading and Reading will have a dip now until... January and they probably will be mid-table at the end of the season. So, um, I think I think the three relegated clubs will be in and around the playoffs. 
Yeah. Uh, oh. I just think Bournemouth need a couple of more wins. Watford need a win this week. Definitely Norwich. If they could lose on Tuesday against Millwall, would be great. Uh, I don't care about what happens after that, but um, I think they're going to be fine. I think the fact that they've kept the majority of that squad, you know, Pookie scoring again, they're getting something out of Wendia. They're not putting as much pressure on Cantwell to sort of be the be all and end all of that side. They've invested well by bringing in players, or you know, selling on players of likes of Aaron's, the likes of Lewis, the likes of Godfrey. That they can invest that in January if they need that push. Um, so yeah, I, I think the three of them will be fine. It'll just be where they finish. I just I have no idea. Yeah, let's move on to uh, League One for some of the listeners who are interested in League One. Um, let's touch firstly on mate Wigan Athletic at the DW mm. losing three two to our neighbours Northampton Town. Um, yeah, that's another. Would you say that's a shock? I don't know if I would. I wouldn't know. I, no. I think Northampton get results. Um, their their defence has been a bit shaky, um, but I think Charlie Good going from there to to Brentford was a big miss. I think he was really good in the League Two last season. Yeah. Um, I, I think so. They're, they're always going to concede goals, but they have that knack of scoring more. It's, it's a bit like Blackpool were in the Premier League. They always went out with the mentality of we're always going to score more goals than you, mm. regardless of what, um, regardless of what um, their defensive defence is going to be like. They've gone out there to go, we're going to score more than you. And I think Northampton are playing a bit like that. Yeah, uh, Wigan, we've said before, are in a world of trouble because of the fact that the administration's come in. They've sold the majority of their players. Um, majority of their key players there, you know, Kiefer Moore's bagging in goals for Cardiff. Um, mm. You know, that's a big loss for them. So I, I am expecting Wigan to struggle. Um, I wouldn't see it on the level that Bolton had, but they, they're, they're going to be in for a tough time. Um, but it's good. As harsh as it sounds, it's good for Northampton. I'd like to see Northampton do well. I sort of always yeah. keep an eye on them for their results. So, yeah, I think it's a good result for Northampton. Yeah, I, I agree with that one, mate. Um, another one, top of the table outfit, Peterborough, and comfortable victory, mate, over Shrewsbury mm. 5-1. Yeah. You'd probably expect that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think, uh, as I said before, uh, Peterborough were hard done by with how League One finished last season. Mm. Uh, and I, I think, you know, the question's been answered if can they cope without Tony? And they can because they're just getting results every week. I know they've got this kid, uh, Sariki or Sakiri Dembele. He had a hat-trick this weekend. Um, Mm. He looks a promising player. If they can keep hold of him now, he could be, you know, the one that sort of propels Peterborough forward. Um, So, yeah, I I think they're going to be a a good side this year. Um, And I definitely we'll see them in the top six come the end of the season. Obviously, Oxford, mate, at bottom of the League One table, which is a massive shock for me considering mm. where they were at the end of last season in the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. Another loss to Joe Barton's Fleetwood. Again, yeah. Oxford just they ain't got going this year, mate. It's... No, and it's getting to a point now because they've played a couple more games than, than the championship sides. 
you know, they're slightly further on in the season because of the international break, that mm. table started to sort of stable itself or level itself out. So yeah. we are getting a better idea of where teams are. And the fact that Oxford are down at the bottom shows that they've, they've obviously started poorly. And that is going to put a lot of pressure on, I think it's Cole Robinson there. Mm. Uh, or Michael Appleton, one of the two. It's uh, Appleton, isn't it? Yeah, so it's going to put a lot of pressure on him to... to sorry, uh, it is Robinson. Appleton's at Lincoln. Right, yeah, sorry, yeah. So there's a lot of pressure on Robinson to get results there. Um, I can certainly see if after the international break, Oxford are still down the bottom, I could see him being let go. Um, you know, Swindon got rid of their manager this week when they got promoted. Um, yeah. I don't know what they were expecting him to do because I'm pretty sure Swindon's budget isn't on the same scale compared to the likes of Peter reports with Sunderland, Ipswich, Charlton, Hull, you know, the majority mm. of those sides in League One. So, um, And they got a decent victory over Hull yesterday. Yeah, so yeah, it's, it's an interesting one for that. But yeah, I can certainly see Robinson in a bit of trouble after the international break if they haven't picked up any results. Yeah, we're saying Oxford are in the bottom, mate. I mean, another team what are down there, second bottom, is Burton. That's two teams what I felt would be up there this year. What are no, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say Burton. No, I, I, I'd say Burton and probably more like a mid-table league one side. Um, they've had a couple of seasons where they've been in the championship, but when they've come up, they've gone straight back down. Um, I, I just think. I think we touched on it before. I think there is a bit of a sort of. Uh, a a tier of quality in that league mm. you know I, I think the teams at the top of the league one are far better than the team I know it sounds stupid saying it but the teams at the top have got better quality players and they do a lot better than some of those teams if they were to go up into the championship yeah um, yeah you know, uh, as I say, as stupid as it sounds, because yeah, that's where they are in the table. That's why. But um, you know, Oxford probably would be the the sort of um, example of why of quality players they should be better off. They're just not getting the results. No, no. I mean, before moving on to League Two, let's just touch on your mate Kenny Jacket. Two mm. nil defeat, mate, to Cholton. Yeah. Yeah, not, I, not the greatest of results. No, I, I'm not quite sure what's going on there at Portsmouth. They, they seem to have a good week one week and then they have a poor week the next week. Yeah, um, I, I think that comes with these sort of consistencies that you can get at League One level. Um, uh, I think if if they have more bad weeks coming before December than good weeks, I think he might be under a bit of pressure there. You know, Portsmouth, yeah. as I said, I, I'm pretty sure we touched on this a couple of weeks ago. Portsmouth are desperate to get back up as high as they possibly can, you know, after what happened in 2008 and and the administrations and stuff like that, it's, it's been nearly sort of, it's it's been nearly 15 years since they've been into the sort of second flight of English football. So, you know, they are desperate to sort of get an idea of, or they're they're desperate to get into that position. Um, And, you know, it could be a case that they're sort of, maybe see Jacket out of his contract and then sort of look to sort of bring someone else in to take him further. Yeah, I mean, they've got a tough game as well Tuesday night, mate. They've got Lincoln. We were yeah. sitting in third, third place. So it's going yeah, to be a yeah. tough game. Yeah, definitely. You know, yeah, Lincoln are a, a good side. You know, what, what the Cowleys did there and 
And yeah. I, I, yeah, as we've just discussed, Appleton's there and he's sort of carried it on further. You know, they are a good side and they should be up there for a reason. Um, mm. So, yeah, definitely a tough week for Kenny coming up. But he, he knows that level. He really does. You know, what he did at Millwall was, was fantastic. And he proved that and he, he pushed that club to you know, back into the championship um, and kept him there. So he has got that knowledge of how that league works. He did it with Swansea. Um, you just you just wonder if it's a case that Portsmouth haven't got the right players or it's a change of system that's needed or it's just a, a time for a, a bit of a shake-up. We don't know. No, definitely not. I mean, uh, let's move on to League Two. Um, first of all, mate, let's move to Leighton Orient. Four nil, they battered Bolton. Four mm. nil. Bolton. I know we keep going over Bolton, mate, but I can't see anything good for Bolton at the minute. No, it's it's a tough time to be a Bolton fan. I'm pretty sure of it. Um, mm. You know, I, they're really struggling to get results on the pitch. Ian Everett has got a really, really tough job there. And, you know, he's trying to steady that ship. And with the amount of players that they've lost and the finances that they've got, it's really difficult to keep that ship afloat. Uh, yeah. Because of Do you it, feel uh, Ian Everett, though, Jacko, should have stayed at Barrow rather than going to Bolton? Um, Considering he's brought Barrow up from non-league into yeah, the league. Maybe, but, you know, if you were that sort of manager... You know, put, let's put let's put this on on your shoulders. If you'd got mm. Barrow promoted and you'd seen the history of where Bolton have been and what Bolton have done, would mm. you not want the challenge to sort of push Bolton back up to where they used to be? Yeah, it, I would. You know, it's that sort of not not sort of hero or zero sort of mentality. But mm. you know, if you if you're the one that says, or if it, it comes down to it, you're the one that's managed to push Bolton back up. And, and sort of get them going back to where they should be. Surely you'd want that on your CV going forward. I would, I would, yeah. But I'd just look at the the way the club is at the minute. It's a shambles. Yeah, but it's going to be a shambles for whoever takes it over. True, there is that. There, yeah. there is, and compared to you know because of the finances, compared to other managers that are available. Everett's probably quite cheap for, for what, you know, he's only been in management for a couple of seasons. Yes, what he did at Barrow was amazing and to see them in, in Football League is brilliant. But mm. if you're Bolton, he's going to be a cheaper option than, say, a Phil Brown or um, yeah. a Sol Campbell or someone at that level who's been around for a while or Graham Alexander, for example. You know, mm. He's going to be a cheaper option than those. And with the finances the way they are, and with obviously the news of another lockdown coming in, mm. you know, unless these clubs get a bailout, they're they're going to look at trying to save money as best they can. And as I say, if Everett's a cheaper option than some of the managers in that league, they're going to take it. If if they do want to get rid of Everett, though, yeah. do you think they do have to look to the likes of uh, Brown or, like you say, Campbell it, it, or, or Alexander? It it's a depend. It depends on if the manager's prepared to go in there. Mm. As I say, you, you know, I, I, it may be a case that Ever wants that sort of not glory, but he wants that sort of recognition for getting Bolton out of it. Some other managers mm. may just want, well, I want a stable League One club or a, a League Two club that's likely to push for promotion into League One, not a club mm. that's 
hemorrhaging money, has been in financial trouble since the mid 2010s, and they're just they're not the same side that they are. I, I could certainly see if South End don't improve, I can certainly see them, you know, potentially next season going into into the, the conference, which would be a remarkable yeah. thing to see because, you know, you look at what where Bolton were. So even 15 years ago, no one would have expected Bolton to be in the conference. Um, no, that's right. No, so I'm sure you asked Simon, uh, Simon later on about Southend. I'm sure he wouldn't feel like they should be in the conference either. No, I um, mean he's been there a long time, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, four well, years, four years, 150 appearances. So you know he's seen that club go from mm. you know potentially uh, I think they were in League One season before last. Mm. Um, and you know, to, to to see them where they are now, it, it would be frustrating, I suppose, as an ex-player, because you know you put your heart and soul into that club for however long, and it's it is where yeah. it is. Let's let's move on to a team I keep a close eye, and I'm mm-hmm. sure you do now. Yeah. With um, Dean Furman's Carlisle, um, a one-nil loss to Exeter. Unfortunately, Dean didn't feature. No. Um, but but not a great result for Carlisle. Um. It's one of those, really. I suppose it's Exeter's a tough, t- tough place to go. You know, they always look at that journey. You know, seven hundred and fifty mile round journey for that. Day. Yeah. It's a tiring yeah. one, uh, especially with the likes of the restrictions that are going on at the minute. Um, so, yeah, it is a tough result. Um, I certainly think Carlisle will be fine. I think they'll pick up points against other teams in and around them. So I don't see that being an issue. Exeter seems to be one of those sides that they, they probably should be doing better than they are. Um, for some reason, I think they're in mid-table at the minute. You know, the last couple of seasons they've been up there or thereabouts. I think they were in the playoffs last year. Uh, yeah, they're in fourth for yeah, the so, minute. Yeah, so yeah, so I wouldn't really say it's a surprise. Carlo mm. defeating to Exeter probably if we had got Dean on, he'd probably say something different. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. I think it's one of those where you just sort of take it and move on to the next game. Yeah, and let's talk about Salford. Paul Scholes finally got his first win, mate. And what a, what um, a win he got against his former club, Oldham. Mm. Well, Oldham are two nil. Yeah, I think Oldham are another one where they're in a bit of trouble. Um, yeah, I, I think been in it for a while. Yeah, they? I think that'll give him a massive boost though, getting that result against them today. I think that'll help him with his personal issues with Oldham. And obviously the confidence to sort of be able to take Salford up further to where where they want to be. Um, so yeah, definitely a good result for Paul this week. I mean, I think Kiel's got a massive job there to do. Yeah, to turn it around for. Oldham. It's probably it's, it's not on the same scale as Southend or Bolton, but it's probably a, you know similar sort of issue where that that club is not being run well and the right way, and whoever goes in has got a really tough job to take. Um, yeah, you know, he he didn't do great at Crawley, and Crawley seemed to have no. done better since he left. Um, whether or not, again, it's the sort of style he wants to play, it just doesn't fit with certain teams in League 2. Uh, mm. But, yeah, it's a tough job for him. I, I think you, you look at some of the sides in that in that league, they are they are sort of minefields to sort of look at as managerial wise, but 
you know, if, again, it's the recognition sort of thing. If he can get him out of that and get him playing some good football and getting results, you know, you want that on your CV, yeah. don't you? Well, definitely so, mate. Yeah, I mean, Newport County, mate, top of the league, yeah. five points clear. Yeah. Another win at the weekend. They're, they're looking good, mate. Yeah, they are. They're, they're not a bad side. Um, I know we played them in the FA Cup last year and they, they you know, they, they weren't overly poor. Um, but, yeah, I think they will have the better calibre of player on the day. Um, so, yeah, Newport aren't a bad side. And that, you know, that they are looking at trying to get that team as high as possible. Um, and with Michael Flynn now, I think he's got a system and there's a squad there that want to play his way and it shows because they're, they're at the top of the table so yeah do you think they'll stay there um it's a long season in it to be fair so mm. i think you know the fact that there's seven chances to go up or seven places for the chances to go up it gives them a favorable position to be in at the minute if they're still top of december mm. I think it's more likely that they will go up automatically and they, they could possibly win the league. Um, but again, there's a lot of football between now and then um, to get through. Mm-hmm. Just to finish off, mate, before we go into part two, it's just a quick quick roundup of a bit of gossip from transfer rumours yeah. coming up for January. Yeah. Um, Inter, Inter Milan are willing to sell Christian Eriksen yeah. to either AC Milan, Roma or Lazio. No. Obviously, his time at Inter, mate, obviously hasn't been a no. good one. Um, I, I just, I don't know if if Conte sees him as the right sort of player for his side. Um, they mm. they seem to certainly play at a more fast place, fast paced game there. Um, Ericsson maybe doesn't suit that. He'd probably do quite well at AC Milan or Lazio, to be fair. Especially mm. with AC getting a result against Udinese today, he keeps them top of the table. So, yeah, maybe. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting to see that. This is a good, another interesting one for me. Um, Real Madrid's forward, Isco, mm-hmm. wants to link up with Carlo Ancelotti, mate, and join Everton. Can you see that happening uh, move in January? Maybe. Or? It depends how, how bad Everton needs someone. I, I think the the result today has proved that they lose Rodriguez, they lose Richarlison, they lose the shape that they've been playing with. Um, they're not as effective as they, they can be. Um, if they can bring in reinforcements of that sort of calibre with the likes of Isco, I, I mean, I've never been a major fan of his. Uh, no. But, you know, if if he does bring in that sort of calibre, the likes of Rodriguez, the likes of Richarlison, then it's definitely a good bit of business worth doing. And it sort of helps solidify the, the options if they need them. Yeah, yeah. Simple as that. Um, this is quite an interesting one. So, um, Aston Villa put in for Mario Mandzukic hmm. and he, he turned down the move. I mean, are you surprised he's turned that down? But he is at the age of 30. Yeah, I don't think it's a good move for Villa, to be per- perfectly honest. I uh, just... No, yeah. I, I think... They, they should be setting the sights somewhere different. Um, Mandzukic has had his day and I think he's just he's just going to see out the rest of his career where he is now. Um, mm. Yeah, I, yeah I, I think Villa need investment for sure. Um, Watkins is getting goals. 
you know, whether or not they need someone to cover him in case he's injured, I don't know. But that's what I thought Bertrand Troyore was in, had come in for. Uh, mm. So, yeah, I think maybe just solidifying the back would be more more important or even just a couple of sort of midfielders to help hold up the, the sort of link up between the back four and the, and the front set. Mm. So, yeah, maybe help Grealish, but I, I definitely wouldn't have seen that going down well. Yeah, and just to finish off, for the um, listeners who do follow women's mm. football, Everton and Man City played the Women's FA yeah. Cup final uh, today and Man City won it after extra mm. time, mate. So I was quite surprised at that. I thought it might have been a, a, a you know a bigger scoreline. Obviously, it ended 3-1 after yeah. extra time. Uh, but... Well, I wouldn't... Man City, the, the games that I've seen of Man City, they haven't looked great at times. Um and I think Everton are on the rise. Um, mm. So, yeah, I'm not surprised he got taken to extra time. Um, I'm not surprised that Man City have won it in extra time because I'm pretty sure they've got the calibre of player on the bench to sort of help them in that end. Um, you know, mm. you just, you got to say congratulations to Man City. You've got to say commiserations to Everton and hopefully they'll be there or thereabouts for the final next year. Yeah, definitely, mate. So, that is the end oh, of part I'd just, one. I'd just like um, to say, um, yeah. I, I know that it's very unlikely that they're going to hear it, but obviously the sad news about Bobby Charlton's diagnosis yesterday. Um, you know, it's a shame, yeah. especially with the news of Nobby Styles in the week as well. With you know, yeah, it's, it's a shame to see the World Cup winning squad of 66 um, sort of slowly declining in numbers. Obviously, you know, it's logical after after how many years, but you know. Robert Charlton has been a great servant to his country and football-wise, and as well as Manchester United. And you know, I just hope he gets looked after really, really well. Yeah, great speech, mate. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And just to finalise everything, full-time Spurs won two-one over Brighton and Bale got, his, oh, he did. got the winner. Uh-huh. There we go. He did. Yeah. So there we go. So that's, that is the end of part one. Join me and Jacko with special guest Simon Cox in part two. Cheers, Thanks very much. Hello and welcome back for part two of Extra, After Extra Time this week. Um, Jack isn't with us. Obviously, Greeny did the first part. You've got my sultry tone for the uh, the second part. But with us as well, we've got a guest who's apparently just woken up in Sydney. Mr. Simon Cox, how are you, mate? <laughs> I'm all right, mate. Thank you. Yeah, it's early in the morning. Yeah. Um, I don't really know how how to begin with this. Why? How come you're in Australia at the minute? Is Have you moved to a club out there? or you, Well, yeah. presumably it wasn't a holiday. <laughs> No, I wish it was a holiday. Um, <laughs> no, um, I moved to a club out here in uh, in Sydney um, in January, uh, and oh, okay. obviously because of Corona, I've been sort of back and forth to the UK, and uh, I've actually spent more time in the UK than I have in Australia since <laughs> I signed it. So, uh, <laughs> so that's that's gone down well with the family. Um, but yeah, so I, I flew back out. Um, last Saturday uh, and I'm actually doing my two weeks self isolation um, in a, in an apartment. So as it stands at the minute, I'm 
in an apartment for two weeks on my own, um, not allowed to leave the ho- not allowed to leave the room. Uh, you get your meals delivered to you three times a day, and you got to do that for mandatory two weeks. So you should have put me in your suitcase, Simon. <laughs> I would have joined you, mate. Cool, I don't know if I could spend two weeks with you, mate. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Look, love it already. Um, yeah. How has that been for you for the, the last week? Because I, I know Greeny mentioned off air that you'd spoken to your family before you joined us. How how, how has the first sort of half of this gone for you? Yeah, I mean the the two weeks is it's not great. I'll be honest. It's uh, it's it's tough. It's a it's a massive mental challenge. It's um, you start you're staring at four walls. I think the the fact that you you don't have your freedom. You know, if you t- I've done it before as well. When I first came, when I first came out here in January, we didn't have to do it. The second time I came out here uh, to finish the 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 season that uh, we started last year, um, I had to do it. And you're staring at four walls, and you don't have freedom, so you can't like get up and go. If you said to anybody, I'll oh, do you want to go and spend two weeks in a hotel? They'd be like, oh, yeah, no problem. I could use the facilities, the pool, the gym, the saunas, whatever, wherever you stay. Um, but we can't. You, you literally can't. You, you, uh, you, as, soon as, you, as soon as you land, you get put on a bus by the army, you, t- you get taken to, to the place that you stay in. Um, you do a self-check-in um, and then you get escorted up to your room. Um, yeah. And then and then they lock the door behind you, basically. Um, like I said, they provide you three meals a day um, and you've got to try and keep yourself sane for two weeks. Um, yeah. It's it's tough. It is tough. I'm not going to not going to say it's not because it is. And uh, and just trying to, you know, give yourself something to, to look forward to or um, set yourself sort of miniature goals throughout the two weeks is uh, is vital. I mean, I've, I've had to do that this time. Um, I set myself a list of things to watch on Netflix. I think I've got to complete Netflix for the second time. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, mate, it's, it's, it is difficult. It's, uh, it's something that, you know, it's, like I say, it's a mental challenge. Mm. Are the club interacting with you on a sort of constant basis to sort of try and give you an idea of what the plan is once you're out of quarantine? Yeah, when, when does the season start? Is it is it twenty seventh? Twenty seventh of December, our first game will be. Oh crikey! Okay. Yeah, so it's a, it's about yeah. six six seven weeks. Um, I mean, the boys have been back training for uh, two weeks now. Um, yeah. Uh, so and obviously, I was um, still in the UK when they they went back to training. So uh, that's when they yeah. they. I got my flights and uh, I was trying to head back over as, as soon as I can. Um, but yeah, the club have been the club have been good. They, uh, I spoke to the manager a couple of times, the, the staff and the fitness coach and the and the physios and stuff. If I need anything, I mean they've done they've done quite well. They they provided me with an exercise bike so, and some weights and stuff. So that uh, that gives me you know, a bit of time on, on there to, to keep fit and stuff. But, um, I mean, there's, there's only so much you can do on an exercise bike, yeah. I know. Um, so what, so what, what gave you the drive to go out to Australia? Was it just a, a new challenge for your career or? Yeah. I mean, it- I just, uh, I got to a point where I was at South End and, um, 
Sol Campbell had just been appointed and um, I was, I, to be honest, I came back that season. I was injured. I, I uh, pulled pulled my, I pulled both of my calves and um, and I was sort of struggling to get back to for pre-season and I, um, I, I did no, no pre-season training pretty much and uh, I was on the bench for the first game of the season away at Coventry um, and came on after uh, 60 minutes and just you know where you just feel I felt miles away from where I needed to be. Um, it doesn't matter how many extra sessions you do and extra gym sessions you do and that sort of stuff. It it just it, you, you're always playing catch up. So it was a tough one. Um, and I never to to a level where I was happy with, um, but was never ever going to say that to anybody because mm. I felt like I was you know. I needed to play. I wanted to play. I had a really good season the season before. So I was like, in my mind, I was, let's, let's get back to that level if we can and start scoring goals. And I'm a big advocate. If you're scoring goals, everything else uh, can take a back seat, really. Um, so, and then, and then managers change and things change at the football club. Direction of the football club started to change a little bit. Sol Campbell came in, um, I, I needed an operation. I needed double hernia surgery. And uh, I sat down with him and I said, look, I need, I need the surgery. If you need me, if you want me back fit and firing and helping the team, I need to have this surgery done. And he was like, but I need you out on the training pitch every day. I was like, look, I, that, that's not possible um, unless I have the surgery done. And I said, and he was like, how long is the surgery? I said, well, <laughs> from from the day I go in to the day I get back out on the pitch, you're probably looking at anywhere between sort of four to six weeks. And he was like, I can't, right. I can't allow you that time. And I was like, well, I said, well, we're in a, we're in a crossroads here. I said, I can't be out on the training pitch every day. He said, because of my body just can't do it. I said, I need the surgery, but you won't allow me to have the surgery. So we're, we're sort of like not really working the same lines here. Um, and then it got to around Christmas time. Um, and it was the day before Boxing Day, I think it was, the, the game. AFC Wimbledon away they had. And he pulled me in the, a couple of days before and he was like, look, I've spoken to the chairman. I think it's best that you uh, you find yourself a new club. So I was like, wow. okay. Uh, didn't expect that, you know, on top of Christmas, New Year and that. Um, and then sort of sat down with my, my missus and my family and... Um, spoke to my agent and and just said like you know what what options have we got the team that I'm with now in Australia wanted to sign me in the season before I came um but because I had a year left at south end it wasn't possible um yeah. and uh and then yeah I just thought for the love of trying to get back and play football again and enjoy it and lifestyle change and experience and all that sort of stuff I I, it was always going to be difficult because my missus is still in the UK and she'll she'll stay there. Um, so yeah. I've you know gone the other side of the world to to play to play football and and to enjoy it for however many more years I've got left in me. So it was yeah. a it was a big change, but um, it was one I I was willing to do. And I think the alternative was to either keep going down the leagues or try and find a club that would take me and 
but I felt like I still had more to give. And, and then all of a sudden you're thinking, well, do I, do I want to sort of keep going down the leagues? Cause I feel like I'm a bit better than that. Um, yeah. or do I, you know, go and seek something completely different and completely new. And I thought, well, I've never, never been to Australia. So I thought, why not? Do you know what I mean? It was one of them. I th- <laughs> why not go and experience something completely different? No, yeah, Coxie. We had um, Dean Furman on last week and obviously he went out to South Africa to play. After oh, did he, yeah? Yeah, so I asked him this, um, asked him this question. What, how different is it from playing, I'll say to you now, in Australia compared to English football? It's, it's different. It is different. I'm not going to say it's not. Um, but it's, uh, it's, I mean, we, the thing is, the time of the year that we play over here is, mm. like I say, so the start of the um, season is 27th of December, um, which here is their summer. And their yeah. summers are ridiculously hot. I mean, I came out here in, like I say, January last year and they just had the bushfires. So I guess there was still a bit of that residual heat around. But, um, I mean, we were playing games in like 38, 40 degree heat. Um, so you can imagine that the the level of the pressing and the, um, the work ethic obviously is still there, but the, just the intensity of the game just isn't there. Because, I mean, you try pressing 40 degree heat, it's just not happening. Um, mm. so it's, it's different. Um, but I always say it, that if you, if you put this league or if you change this league to a winter league, which is sort of like your August, uh, June, July, August, September time, um, the mm. level would go up because the, mm. the boys would be able to, to run more. They'd be able to press a lot high, harder and, and, and more frequently. And then all of a sudden, the, the standard of the game would go up. Um, but because of other codes out here, AFL and NRL, they, they sort of hold the, the main stages and they and obviously we sort of use the same stadiums um, that you can't have everyone training and playing at the same time. So it's uh, so they have to have one in the summer and, and, and two in the winter. So um, that's the way it works over here. All oh, right, because obviously as well, Cox is like, we asked Dean the same as well. He's like, do you ever want to come back and play in the EFL or the Prem or whatever? You're a big name to me in football in England. Have you ever thought that you're going to come back and play in the English League? Or I know your family's still in England, so is that something you want to proceed with? Um, I don't know, mate, to be honest. I think uh, I'm I'm pretty happy with, with what I'm doing right now. And um, my contract is for the end of the season coming. Um and then I, I just don't know what's going to happen after that. I'm not never going to say no to coming back and playing in the UK. But I think the fact that uh, my base and my my house and my family and that are based in Essex, um, you kind of limit yourself to to where I want to, you know, what kind of club or, or where yeah. I would want to travel to. Um, and again, it was one of the deciding factors to come to Australia as much as, you know, if I was if I was to go to another club in the UK, I would have to live away from home. Mm. Okay, mm. that's fine. But mm. doing the travelling up and down and the missus putting the pressure on by saying, like, you know, I want you to come home. And you go oh, driving three, four hours, five hours in the car every couple of days is never going to be great for your back and everything and your hamstrings and stuff. Mm. And then all of a sudden, if things aren't going well, 
the managers give it, getting you in on the Sunday and stuff like that. It's just, I was like, sod that, I'm going, I'm going the other side of the country, uh, the other side of the world. Um, but I mean, I would never say never, but it was just, uh, I think it's, I would only limit myself to, you know, an hour, two hours journey if I was ever to come back and play because I feel like I would want to be staying at my my own house. I mean, out of the clubs you was at, at England, Coxie, what's what's the most memorable club? Is it the Baggies or would you say it was Reading or Southend? Uh, well, I spent, I spent the most time I did at, uh, between West Brom and, and Southend. I spent four years at both. Um, mm. And... Listen, I've got fond memories of, of every club. Obviously, Swindon is where pretty much made my name. Um, mm. Then you get then you get your big money move to West Brom at the time. Um, and you spend four great years there with great people, great players. Um, incredible success in getting promoted first time and staying in the Premier League for all that time. It was it was great. Um and then you're moving on to moving on to Forest, and you know, just missed out on playoffs first time I was there, and then you know things sort of unravelled a little bit, um, and then went back to my hometown club, which you know was great for me and, and my family and every, everyone surrounding me. It was you know nice to be to be back at a club that I was really really familiar with, um, and then I spent four good years at South End. You know, okay, it ended pretty poorly in my opinion but ultimately you know we had a decent team first couple of years uh, should have probably done better than we did probably should have got into the playoffs but we but we didn't um, and I finished top goal scorer three of the, f- the four years I was there so yeah. I mean I've, I've had good times pretty much everywhere mate to be honest I mean when you was at Southend, Coxie, was uh, Phil Brown in charge when you were there? Yeah, yeah, first couple of years, yeah. <laughs> I must ask you a, I must ask you a question because uh, we've got Mark Phillips on in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And he, he said he weren't a big fan of Phil Brown. What did you make of him? Uh, I, I liked him, mate, to be honest. <laughs> it was it was one of them, like, I... Listen, Phil Brown could sell sand to the Arabs, mate. He's one of them. He's a proper salesman. Um, he... When I when I spoke with him because my contract had finished at Reading and I was kind of struggling to find a, a championship club that would take me and I was having to go out on trial or anything else like that and I was thinking to myself like as my do I really want to do that and um, and then Phil Brown phoned me and he said look want want you to come down and have a chat so I met him at a service station on the M25. Um, <laughs> And uh, <laughs> like we had a we had a coffee and a chat and stuff and 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 he he sold it you know he sold the the vision and everything mm-hmm. else and he wanted he told me what what he wanted to do and that and I was and I said to my I said to myself on the way home I was like you know it's it's not it's not great but ultimately it's it's a it's a chance for me I was twenty nine I think thirty at the time so I was twenty eight at the mm-hmm. time maybe uh, I was like. Look, if I go there, do really well for two years, I'll get to 30, I might be able to nick another championship club or, or whatever. Uh, as long as I do well, that's fine. Mm. Um, and I, I I joined, I thought, and he was he was great. He, 
you know, he, he gave me the opportunity to play football and enjoy my football again. And, and listen, he's a type of person that if football and results are going well, he's probably like the best manager I've had. Mm. If results are going badly, he's probably one of the worst managers I've had because <laughs> his emotion, his emotion for the game is, is unquestioned. He, you know, he will, he will live and breathe every minute of every game. And, um, and as, as much as, uh, as much as we all want to win, that's just not, not possible every, every game. So the, the fact that when you, if you've got a beat and you walked in the dressing room, you just don't know what was going to come out of his mouth. And it, it could be see you at see you at five in the morning. It could be have two days off. You just don't know what was going to what was going to come out of his mouth. Yeah, I mean, when you when you signed for him, do you reckon you had a big expectation from the fans, Coxie, knowing that you played in the Prem and the Championship and the international level? Do you reckon it, it put a lot more pressure on you to bag goals? Yeah, and I think. It did, and I think I put that pressure on myself as well because ultimately, with a reputation like you just said, you kind of want to showcase the fact that this is the reason why. Um, and the you know, like I say, the first season, I think I finished on sixteen goals, um, which was a was a good return. Um, and then the second season, I I didn't didn't do. I finished on 10 or 11 um, and it, it just it was a point where I thought look, I need to focus more on the scoring goals you know I was getting older and I wasn't able to do as much of the channel runs and stuff like that um, but ultimately I was I was getting a lot more assists as well so my whole round game when I went there and I was um, creating and, and scoring goals I felt like I I was showcasing even more that I wasn't just an out and out goal scorer. I was a I was an all round, you know, team player which was which was more benefit to me. Mm. Yeah, I mean as well as Coxie, obviously you get when you get older, does the game get harder or, or is it depending on your body? <laughs> the game gets harder every day. <laughs> 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 um, it's, it does. It gets. It, it doesn't get easier because you've always got whippersnappers like snapping around you, and that's the the worst thing. And, and if you can't chase them, you got to kick them. So um, it, yeah, it does. It gets harder, mate. You know the, but your game has to change. Um, your game. You can't. You can't do the hundreds and hundreds of miles that you used to be able to do when you were twenty one. Um, and as long as, and this is where somebody like Phil Brown, an older manager, somebody who'd sort of managed at the top level, who'd seen senior pros, would understand this because you can't ask a 31, 32-year-old player to, to do those those miles. You need to surround that 31, 32-year-old player with legs and energy. Um, but as long as that 31, 32-year-old player is, is still giving a lot to the team. Um, you can't, you can't just give him a, a free pass with with him not producing for you. He has to be able to produce as well. So um, it just it, it does get harder. It doesn't get easier. But I think you just, it's just the way that the game uh, has changed, and and you would have to adapt your game to to be able to suit um, the game as it is today. Yeah, definitely. I mean, moving on to your international career, uh, sorry. 
I mean, obviously, Giovanni Trapattoni called you up for your, uh, was it yeah. your debut he called yeah. you in for? Yeah. I mean, what what was the feeling like getting called up for your, obviously, your home nation? Yeah, I loved it. Um, really, really enjoyed my time with Ireland. Um, although my, my call-up was a bit bittersweet, really. I'd already booked my holidays to go um, <laughs> go away and, and I had to cancel them. But, I, I, listen, I would cancel them every day of the week to to get a call up do you know what I mean so um, I got called up to uh, to play the final couple of games of the Carlin Nations Cup uh, which was a, a cup between Ireland Northern Ireland Wales and Scotland um, and uh, I'd done I'd done I'd done pretty well to be fair uh, performance wise for West Brom in the Premier League uh, that season and uh, and we finished Ninth, I think, was it um, under Roy Hodgson? Um, and he, he, I, I sat down with Roy and I said, like, I've, I've got a, a chance to get a call up for for Ireland. He, I said, what do you think? And he was like, I said, I would take it um, because it's a, an incredible honour to to get called up for your for your country. Um, and I got called up, and I was. I didn't expect to play at all. I'd, I'd sort of gone there looking at it as an experience, as someone to go and be around a, a group of people um, for the last couple of games of the of the Carlin Nations tournament, which if they, I think if they won, because the, we had Northern Ireland, which was my debut, and then we had Scotland, which was, I think, with the, if we won that one, we would win it. And, uh, and we beat Northern Ireland, or uh, five one or five nil um, scored, which was great. Played, like, started the game, which was great, alongside some great players, um, and then played the second one against Scotland, won that. So we ended up winning the, the Carlin Nations Cup, uh, which was great. Um, I thought that would be my time done um, as an experience there. Um, go back to the clubs, following season, play well, get called up again. Um, they were obviously pretty happy with me. We had a game against Macedonia um, in a, a Euro qualifier, and I was and, and I got I was uh, told to stay on for that. Played in that, um, drew that game nil nil, uh, which I think made us qualify at least for the uh, the playoffs. Um, so I was like, "Geez, this is like amazing to get to get a, you know." Two friendlies, first and foremost, to get your, your debut, your first goal. Then you get a Euro qualifier um, game under your belt as well. And then we had one more game. We had Italy in uh, in Belgium. Um, and uh, and I played, I was on the bench for that, came on, scored in that. And, and I went home like top of the world. Um, you go from somebody at 21 years old, at Swindon and and then go to West Brom, get promoted, then Premier League and then international scored a couple of goals at international level. You, you're thinking like nothing can touch you. Um, and then yeah. it was just an amazing, amazing time. I I loved every minute of it. Is that still a target for you now, no. Simon? No, 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 no. Flipping out that one passed. That one passed a few years ago, I think. Um, <laughs> I think I think 
I still had a slight hope when I sort of um, when I signed for Southend, um, and yeah, Martin O'Neill was there, and he was the one. He was like the manager. Him and Roy Keane were the, the last managers that that I played under, um, and. I would, I went to South End and I thought to myself, like if I score goals, I can either leave and go to a championship club where I've got a better chance of getting a call up, or if I score goals, they may or may not depend on injuries and suspensions and that you you might just get a call up. Um, and then you know the f- first couple of years um, ended with twenty six goals in the two years or so, twenty seven goals in two years. Um, and I didn't get one. I didn't even get a phone call, which, you know, ultimately that's, that's their choice. But I just thought if, uh, if I was ever in their mind, um, I would have had a, a phone call just, just even just to say, look, we know what you're doing. We like what you're doing, but we've got, you've got X, Y, and Z ahead of you. So keep going, keep doing your stuff. But if X, Y, or Z gets injured or suspended, you'd be the next one we call upon. And I would I would appreciate that, but that was never to come. So, um, and I and I thought that 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 was the time then when I thought ah, that one's probably done now. Then, yeah, I mean, um, as well as obviously you, you keep up with the international stuff. What did you make of it when Mick McCarthy went after his contract expiring? Don't you think they should have extended it, Simon? Till. Well, I think the thing is, is because we were in such unprecedented times with the pandemic and everything else, I think Mick's contract, um, I think the fact that he started the campaign, it would have been nice for him to see it through. Mm. Um, And he was doing, he was doing a decent job and, um, and they were getting decent enough results, um, enough to sort of potentially get them into the playoffs. Um, I mean, I watched the games before leaving um, uh, that they needed to win. And I mean, the fact that they've not qualified for the playoffs and, and scored goals and stuff, I think it's a bit of a, a need to sort of look at that. And I, I get it's a transitional period, but Stephen Kenny was always in ch- like going to take over. He was always like, so that was always yeah. going to happen. I just think that they did it in the middle of a campaign when you've got a guy who's mm. who knows how to play, who knows how to qualify for campaigns, could have just let him carry on with it, mm. um, regardless of the contractual agreement that Stephen Kenny had. He could have just gone on for another six months, yeah. or until Mick or the the country didn't qualify. You know, they could have got into the playoffs and not made it. Then it would have been a chance for them to say, "Look, you did you you did your best. Unlucky, we didn't make it, but." Stephen Kenny's now going to take over, and that's mm. it. Just uh, it just it just didn't sit well because I felt like in the middle of a campaign, the the thing you need is consistency, and and uh, and and they changed it around yeah. halfway through, which I thought was a bit poor. Yeah, I totally agree on that one. I mean, as well as I don't know, no. you've worked with Mick, have you? No, I was going to say to me, it comes across as a decent yeah. man to man manager as well. I yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I I always get the feeling that Mick doesn't like me too much, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> um, because whenever I've played against his teams, and even if I've been a sub or I've come off as a sub, I'm 
I'm quite a vocal person on the bench. So, and I think he's always turned around and told me to sit down and shut up at times. So, <laughs> so I, don't, I don't know whether that's uh, whether that was just me or whether that's just him, him and his team. Um, but yeah, I mean, from from everybody that I know that has played under him, they love playing under him, um, and he tells you exactly what you want. Uh, he tells you exactly what he needs from you. Um, and there's no, it's not a grey area, so you can't say, oh yeah, but I, I thought about this or that. He's like, no, no, this is what you do, and this is this is how we get results. And um, if you do it, I'm guessing he loves you. And if you don't, he, he doesn't like you. And I guess he doesn't really <laughs> like you too much. <laughs> in that You're in that category, yeah. so yeah. <laughs> What I did want to ask you, I forgot to ask you when I done an Insta with you. I I heard that you was linked with Leicester at one stage. What's the? Truth I think there was place? there was rumours um, when I was leaving when I was leaving Swindon. There was there was a few clubs interested in me, um, and I don't think they were at the table then. Um, but when um, mm. West Brom were interested in Andy King at, at one stage. Uh, Championship season, um, yeah. and there was a chance that I was potentially going to go with inside that deal. Um, but I think I don't know if Leicester were in the Premier League at the time or not. I can't, I can't remember. But um, but yeah, there there was a there was a there's always a, there was always a um, a chance that they were at the table. But I just don't think anything ever really materialised. I was hoping you would have, mate, and come back because you scored against Leicester. Leicester times, mate, mate, so if you look at my you, record, you, you, Leicester, I think, are the team that I scored most of my goals against. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. It is. I'll be honest. I remember I'll you all the quite time. And I'm pretty sure you've bagged a few against Millwall as well. Yeah, a couple, mate. Don't worry. The Millwall, oh, I used to like going to oh, yeah. Although I broke well, my leg at the, at, den, at the den. Yeah, I saw that and I thought, don't ask him about how he broke his leg. But I was going to ask, what was it like playing at the den? Because, you no, know. I used to love it. Then, like that hostile atmosphere. If, you, uh, if you're doing really well, if you're like, if you're as an away team, if you win, like, yeah. because you just, like, it's one of them where you think, oh, love that. Really enjoyed that. Like, <laughs> And then you, and then the the one thing that I I didn't like is if you got beat, and then people would turn around and go, "Oh, did you get intimidated by the crowd?" But you yeah. you could have just got beat, you know, because you didn't you had an off day or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But that crowd, like, if you can win there, it's like it's it's brilliant. Although it didn't was it when I broke my leg there though? No, no. Was it ever? Did you ever see, sense that it was an intimidating place to go? Yeah, because we, um, I went there with South M one time. Um, I think it was, yeah, uh, yeah, it was with South End, and we had Anton Ferdinand, um, playing who's obviously ex West Ham, and he, yeah. uh, was getting absolute dog's abuse. Um, yeah, and we finished the game, like, if we. I think we might have won the game and he was going around applauding obviously the South End fans and he, mm. and you know where the South, you know, the away supporters are there behind that yeah. goal and yeah, 
to the right of that goal is the 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 that, the, that, that lot. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and <laughs> yeah, uh, that lot. That that lot. Don't really like to talk about, but we have to acknowledge it occasionally yeah. because they're there. there um, and uh, and he was getting absolutely dogs abuse. Um, mm. Uh, and it was it was one of them where because we'd won the game, he was like lapping it up and everything else, and it was brilliant because yeah. as a team we just felt like that that atmosphere when you get when you get a result at a, you know a, cl- a club like that and um, and a result like that it was it was brilliant for for him especially because of ex Millwall uh, sorry ex West Ham v Millwall and stuff um, but for for us as a club as well. I'll do the, the, the Jack bit because he usually asks a couple of these questions. Who was the um, best player you played against and played with? Oh, against, I, I think against is too is too hard. Uh, yeah. When you play, when you play, when you're lucky enough to play in the Premier League, uh, you play against world class players every every Saturday. Um, so yeah. you can obviously name the the top top players um mm. but then when you're even luckier and you get to play international football um and then you get to play against some of the teams that I played against um you I mean it's just, it's just too difficult to answer because of uh because of the the caliber of player that I played against but the but the, um, the, the player I played with would be Robbie King he, uh, he was just he was just streets ahead of everybody else you for obviously you, you've appeared for the Republic of Ireland. Are you frustrated that they haven't gone further? Because obviously I know they got into the World Cup in two thousand and two, and they've been in playoffs for the Euros and the World Cup since. Are you sort of disappointed that they haven't been able to take that next step and get into those competitions? Yeah, but I think uh, I, I am because I feel like the the players that are playing. Um, there's been a transition in sort of old. If you look at the team now, it's very, very young. Um, and, mm. and with a new manager in Stephen Kenny and a new philosophy and everything else, it will probably take a few years to get going. Um, yeah. But as I said before, the fact that Mick was doing okay in the, in the campaign, it would have been nice for him to see that through. And, even if that would have got to a playoffs and 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 not got to the Euros or or anything else like that, then it would have been okay. But ultimately, um, I think it's going to be a bit of a it's going to be a bit of time before um, we see Stephen Kenny and, and Ireland in a, in a Euros or a World Cup again, because as it stands at the minute, just don't seem to score enough goals. No. I think you missed the first part of the answer that they're very young and I'm not that young anymore. <laughs> uh, just, just quickly, one last one. What was I it did, like on, uh, playing under Roy Hodg- Hodgson? Brilliant. It was really good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah what was the coach sort of menta- mentality wise? He was, he, he basically just set out every day the, the exact same and it was. It was funny. I was having a, I had a, a Zoom call with Dan Ashworth, who's who used to be director of football at, at West Brom the other day, um, and we were talking about um, 
the sort of time that he came in and it was exactly what we needed. We were a little bit too open for the Premier League. We'd obviously won the, uh, sort of came second in the Championship. We we started the Premier League season really well under Robbie Di Matteo. Uh, but then we sort of hit a really bad patch um, just after, around sort of Christmas time. Um, and Roy came in um, and he made us defensively very good. Um, and he was exactly what we needed at the time. Um, I, I liked it. I liked him. I thought he was great. Um, always open and honest. Stand, have five, ten minutes with you every day, no problem. Um, and, and again, he was very much, this is what I need from you and this is what, this is what works. And you can see he's had, a, you know, probably apart from, from England, really, uh, and and potentially Liverpool, he's had pretty much good success as a as a coach and as a manager everywhere he's gone. Did he do much on the training? Every day, training every day he was he was the he was the coach. He he was the one who who took every session um, because he he structured it in a way that he knew exactly what was needed. Um, which for somebody like myself who wants to go into management is ex- is kind of the exact same way that I would go. Um, you know, it's not it's not very much a, a go out there and do what you feel. It's this and this is what works. Um, this is what I kind of want from everybody, um, but within a within a structure and and stuff, you can you can have a bit of freedom. Um, and he was exactly the same. You know. You, these are your patterns, and and this is your this is your structure. Um, as soon when you lose the ball, get back into shape as quick as you can, um, and be defensively minded, even when you're going on the attack. And he's never a manager that you're going to win five six nil um, with, and he's never going to be a manager yeah. you're going to lose five or six nil. So he's uh, he's got that he's got yeah. that ability to be able to structure a team that. Is defensively sound and you know gets enough points to um, to secure Premier League survival pretty much every year, guaranteed. Yeah, I mean, quickly. So I'm just going to touch up on it quick. What you said a minute ago about you yourself going wanting to go into management. Where where about you thinking of starting when you do go into management? Just lower leagues, or um, you're just going to see what comes well, up? I think uh, you got to take any opportunity that comes, really, um, because ultimately there's only a certain amount of managers that can, can be manager. There's only 92 clubs in the football league uh, and premier league. So um, you, you, you're never going to get one of those jobs. I don't think straight away. So you're going to probably end up in an academy or as part of a staff and learn your trade and learn the ropes of, of what it takes and what it's like going in every day and having to plan and prep and everything else, um, which I'm, absolutely fully prepared for um because i feel like i feel i feel like it's a, a a great transition to be able to go into academy level produce players for the next level whether that's the 23s or whether if you're the 23s manager producing players that potentially can get minutes in the first team but ultimately it's about making players better you know educating them Tactically, yeah. physically, mentally, uh, everything, um, and you have to be able to. I think this day and age now, especially 
with with mental health and everything else. So I think you have to be able to give that support system for every player uh, on and off the field, off the field. Do you think if you took management over in Australia, you could change the style of play a bit to more as if like, uh, you played in the Yeah, you could get your team to, to to press because you just have to make training that little bit harder. Um, because ultimately, the way you train is the way you play. Um, and if you if you train at a, a good intensity and at a good level, you would transition that into the game. So. Um, Robbie Fowler was was over here and before he went over to India and and he played uh, he managed a team called Brisbane Raw and and to be honest they were the like in my f- first sort of stint here uh, we played them and granted again it was ridiculously hot but they were ultimately fitter than us they they're pressing because he has he assembled like a team of younger. Um, lads who had been around the sort of English leagues as well. Um, and he got them doing the exact same as what they would do in England here in Australia. And they were by far the best pressing team and um, and and fittest team that I played up against uh, that first that first in. And to be honest with you, I'm glad he's gone off to India because we don't have to play like that again. <laughs> 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 Legend. On that note, Jackie, you no, got anything to add? Just been a pleasure to, to speak to you, Simon. Just thank you very much. No pleasure, top man. Thanks very much. Yes. Yeah. Cheers for that, Simon. And um, hopefully, maybe we can get you back. Yeah, on absolutely. The season. Let's know how things are going. Spot on, mate. Thanks again, mate. And sorry That's for, all right, mate. No worries. <laughs> just got the whole day now to do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Simon. Cheers, mate. See you, mate. <laughs> bye, bye. Cheers, Simon. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.